0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is my body, which will be given up for you. Those exact words aren't spoken at a wedding or at an ordination, but they just as well could. Yesterday, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Richard and Kathleen Mead, who right here, right in front of this altar, well, actually, it was a different altar, but it was still here 50 years ago, the day after he was graduated from the Naval Academy and commissioned a young naval officer, Richard and Kathy pledged their wedding vows and came back yesterday to receive a blessing for their anniversary with their children and grandchildren. It was beautiful. On that day, they used different words, but all those words summed up could easily be summarized with the words that we use at consecration. This is my body, which will be given up for you. Likewise, at an ordination, God willing, if Daniel, in five years' time, is on the marble floor at the cathedral of St. Thomas More, he will be asked a series of questions to which he will say, I do, and I do with the help of God. But he could just as easily say, this is my body, which will be given up for you. Last Sunday, we meditated and celebrated this central mystery of who God is, and how God is, as the Holy Trinity. God exists of necessity and he exists as an unending act of perfect love. The love of Father is so perfect that God the Son is begotten. And the love of Son is so perfect that the person of the Holy Trinity, of the Holy Spirit, is the bond between them. Today, the church considers and stands in awe before the mystery of how God insists that we experience tangibly His love. Made possible by the incarnation of Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the eternal Word of God, the only begotten Son of God, becomes flesh, becomes Jesus Christ, the Son of Mary. We think of his great sacrifice as having happened later, at the end of his earthly life. But really and truly, his, his, his death to self, his complete self-gift, his offering, his being poured out, begins with his incarnation. We see it realized, we see it fulfilled on the cross. In between those two events, in between the the Annunciation and the Crucifixion, when our Lord instituted the holy priesthood and the sacrament of his body and blood, the Holy Eucharist, he said the words at the Last Supper, this is my body which will be given up for you. Those words describe perfectly the incarnation, which we celebrate on March 25th. Taking flesh from the Blessed Virgin Mary, he is able to say, This is my body. My sarx in Greek, my corpus in Latin. This is now I have a body. And this the purpose of this body is that it will be given up for you. Even the feast of the circumcision, which now we celebrate under a different title. It gets to the heart of that matter. Just as all the other details of our Lord's birth in Bethlehem, born in a manger, literally in a feeding trough where animals eat, in a town called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. He came here in order to be offered up, and not just offered up as a sacrifice of praise and glory to God the Father, a sacrifice to atone for our sins, and a sacrifice just like the Passover meal, which uniquely was consumed by all of God's people, not just by the priests. He came to be consumed by us. He came to be part of us. Not just to become man and to live among us, but to become part of each and every one of you so that you become part of God. This is my body, which will be given up for you. On the wedding day, the bride and groom say those words or say words to that effect, and the marriage is what we call ratified. The marriage... Covenant has begun to come into existence. When those marriage vows are consummated, or we can even say, when wedding vows are exchanged physically, then the beginning of that marriage coming into existence has completed. And that marriage is now irrevocable. What makes it irrevocable? Why is it permanent. I say permanent in quotes only because the only thing that really is permanent are things that are eternal. Marriage lasts for life. Marriage lasts so long as both shall live. Not in any way describing its its lack of of significance because it, it expires in death, but consider what happens to a person when they finish their earthly life and they see the face of God How can there be a human attachment? How can there be an exclusive relationship that still holds when we are directly in the presence of God? We should say then that marriage is fulfilled in heaven. Marriage is completed in heaven. But We can say without any qualification, that wedding vow is irrevocable that marriage is for life. We know when those wedding vows are exchanged, the possibility of a child is born. And we know that by virtue of this intrinsic possibility or even likelihood or near certainty of the birth of a child, we know that even if a child isn't born, even if a child is not conceived, Those two people who are exchanging wedding vows, sure, as you know what, better be in this for life. Otherwise, they have no business going down that road and possibly bringing a child into the world. Long before there was a church and long before there were rules, human beings simply knew this ought to be for the rest of life. But it proved difficult. And so divorce was permitted in the Old Testament under Moses. The first time that our Lord and Savior was mocked because of his teaching and ridiculed was when he said, if you marry a divorced person, you commit adultery. They derided him. They said, that's crazy. That's impossible. Then in that case, it's better not to get married. Well, he had something to say about that, too. For some people who can, they should. Pledge celibacy. It's not possible for all. But if you marry, that's for life. The other time, significantly, when our Lord was mocked, laughed at, and abandoned, as far as we can tell from the words of St. John, abandoned for good, was when in the synagogue in Capernaum, He said, You must eat my flesh and drink my blood, as we heard in the sixth chapter of St. John. These are people who saw his miracle the day before, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. They knew he had supernatural power. They followed him around the lake because they wanted to see him do it again. Selfishly, they wanted to be fed. Perhaps they even just wanted to be entertained. When he said, I will give you the true bread from heaven, which is my flesh for the life of the world. That was enough. They left him. The apostles didn't, but so many others did. It's hard. People don't want to believe that. When people despair of the Catholic faith and abandon it, The first thing that goes is belief in the real presence of our Lord. And usually, what goes in hand in hand with that is abandoning the idea that marriage is really permanent. These two truths of Christ touch the nature of our humanity, which is stricken by original sin, but was created in order to be sanctified by God's grace. We were made to live supernatural lives. And so when those wedding, wedding vows are exchanged, a husband and wife know that they are committing themselves completely, quite literally saying, this is my body, which will be given up for you. And what may very well happen, in nine months, they have a, a new life in their, in their hands, in their trembling, quivering fingers. And they, and they ask themselves, how, how did this happen? I know how this happened, but how did this happen? And what is God thinking that he entrusts this life to me? And, and how can I do this without God's wisdom, without God's guidance, his strength, his mercy? In just the same way that the newly ordained priest approaches the altar and he says those words, this is my body which will be given up for you. And he has at that very moment in his hands this life. And he asks himself, how did this happen? I know how this happened, but how did this happen? And what is God thinking that he entrusts this life to me? And how desperately am I in need of God's wisdom, his guidance, his courage, his mercy, his strength? The common thread in all of these, our Lord in his self-emptying, His incarnation and ultimately his crucifixion. And the husband and wife that exchange wedding vows and the priest that submits to ordination by the choice of God, they die. They give up their life. This is my body which will be given up for you really means my life is over. My life is offered up for you. And what results from that death? By the grace of God, eternal life a resurrection a new life which is so glorious it's it's hard to describe a new life which is so magnificent that we know that this is the beginning of the experience of heaven to be loved like this and to experience the greatest joy not in taking but in giving not in acquiring but in sacrificing And so for every married couple, for every father, especially today, for every seminary and for every priest, we join our prayers, knowing that something mystical is happening. It is God among us. It is the mystery of death to life. The mystery of, of birth into this world and birth into heaven. For all those especially who are preparing for these vocations, we encourage them to know, yes, that this means giving up your life. But be ready to experience later on suffering that you didn't expect, but anticipate consolation that you could never acquire. Trust in God and take up your cross daily. Make the Blessed Virgin Mary your companion, who knew all of these mysteries perfectly, as the greatest theologian, as the perfect wife, as the mother of priests. So we ask your intercession as we pray. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death.